Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Right Way Podcast. And holy shit, do we have a kick-ass guest for you today? Literally. <laughs> Literally kick-ass. Um, one of one of the things we had to bring up to her first, which is like definitely not the like top thing that's gonna wow you on her resume, but she is a mother of seven. Seven human beings. Uh, which blew <laughs> seven human beings. Blew both of us away. Rhea apologized to her. I did. I'm like, I don't, well, I don't know just, how anyone's still living. Seven kids in quarantine. Like, she's my personal hero. And she's also just an absolute dynamo and a force to be reckoned with in the organizational culture and HR world. Uh, her name's Tara Furiani. Um, if you're on LinkedIn or you're on any kind of social media, you've possibly seen her, her, her very recognizable, very vocal, um, very out there and accessible brand and company is called not the HR lady. Um, she is everything from a, a writer to an executive, to a business therapist, an influencer, a board member, speaker, people leader. She's created dozens of organizations and she's also a published author. Tara has written three books so far, but her latest and the one that we are talking about today is Fuck Your Office Snacks, which I'm sorry, is such an amazing title. It's on pre-sale now at coolassbookclub.com. And one thing that's really interesting that we dive into today with Tara is her strategy for selling books. She does it in a very unconventional way a way that most self-published authors do not do. And I really think it's it's so interesting for really trying to push sales and get your book out there in a completely unique way, just like her. Absolutely. And I think also worth noting is that we're definitely we're definitely back in the midst of a social media conversation. Uh, Tara's very active and really preaches a truly authentic presence, identity, and voice online uh, in, in the digital space. And it's uh, totally worth the listen. And, uh, you know, as Rhea, as uh, anti-social media as you and I are, uh, she had some great points that really made me go, oh, yeah, okay, I can see where it's used for good. Oh, absolutely. And, and I mean, I know people probably roll their eyes because we talk about this so much, but I think it's such an interesting conversation and the people who really have an amazing attitude about it and for it, use it in a way that is so advantageous to really pushing their message in a very authentic, organic way that doesn't feel salesy or influencery, if that's a word, or gross. <laughs> so sit back, relax, and enjoy this scintillating conversation with the amazing Tara Furiani. Hey guys, welcome to Right Way, a podcast where we give you insight to make informed decisions about your writing career. I'm your host, Rhea Fry, multi-published author and CEO and founder of Right Way. And I'm Joe Tower, writer, media producer, and Right Way's executive editor. On this podcast, Rhea and I will take an inside look at the publishing industry with honest and straightforward shop talk. So when you do get published, you'll know exactly what to do the right way. Tara, so thank you so much for talking with us today. I feel like we have so many things to discuss, not the least of which is your book, your upcoming book, Fuck Your Office Snacks, um, which has an amazing title, by the way. Thank you. But first, before we get into all of that, um, do you really have seven children? And if so, I'm sorry, but <laughs> can you talk about that? Do you really have seven yeah. kids? 
I really do. I have seven human children. So how do you uh, do it? How, especially with quarantine, how are you alive? Uh, that's a really great question. Question. Uh, I I literally survive on as most writers do, right? On coffee until it's like an appropriate time to switch to booze. True. Um, True. So, right. So frankly, nothing's changed. <laughs> My there life. You go. Um, but I really am a mom of seven kids. So I am very fortunate to have, uh, with my ex-husband, uh, the only good thing that came out of our marriage was my five beautiful children, uh, who I have a uh, three-year-old twin girls, Luna and Stella. I've got a gender fluid child who sometimes likes to be called Nika, which was their name at birth. And sometimes they like to be called Azzy, which is their preferred name some days now. And they're kind of just going through and experimenting with that um, and figuring out who they are, which is pretty awesome. I've also got Vinny. If you actually go on any 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 platform so well mostly facebook and instagram mostly instagram if you hashtag fucking Vinny, no joke about <laughs> two thousand pictures of my son will come up because he's had that nickname since he was about one and a half because literally it's the only way to describe him fucking oh my Vinny. god that is and, uh so he's he's uh he's eight years old and then i have luke who's my oldest bio kid and he is the world's oldest nine-year-old who is a rule follower, but cannot wait to say the word fuck so much so that on his ninth birthday, he looked at me and he's like, nine more years, mom. And I'm like, oh, that, and he goes, oh. till I can say the F word. Oh, oh my God bless true him. Story. This is a true story. He really that, did this. It's so interesting. My 13-year-old niece also is like, she surrounded our entire family, just mouths like sailors. I, yeah. who am the fucking worst, she refuses oh. to swear. She's like, okay. uh, I won't do it. I'm not comfortable with it. So I have an eight-year-old and we just went through this. So she, we always talk about the power of words, the power we give to words. There are no bad words. There are no good words. It's just, great. It, you know? And so she was like, well, there's one word that I want to say. It's like your favorite word. And you say it all the time. I was like, oh, fuck. And she was like, yeah. And for 15 minutes, she was trying to get up the nerve to say it. And she would be like, uh, uh. like, <laughs> She would not say it. And I was like, just say it. And finally she did. And then she didn't stop saying it. And I was like, no, you know, you can't like go to school and say this, but you can say it, you know, just every once in a while. But I think that's so funny how- I think it's such a better approach to parenting. Like right? I, you know, my mom always said that you, you know, people give power to words. So yeah. if I look at you and I say, you know, like Apple likes to correct us, go duck yourself. You know yeah. that I am telling you to go fuck yourself. You just know it. So it doesn't yep. matter what word I put in place of fuck, but yeah. fuck yeah. is a grown up word in our house. And until you're a grown up, you can't use yep. it. So uh, like, God, mommy, following those rules. Yeah. I love it. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. So then I've got, so to add to my seven, because I don't know if people are actually counting because I only listed five. I do have a 13 year old niece uh, named Riley who I adopted when she was nine. And I have a 16 year old nephew named Devin and I adopted him when he was 12. And, uh, and we have the best time. So that rounds out my crew of seven. You're wow. my hero. Are they homeschooled? <laughs> Or no. So they weren't, uh, they were not homeschooled. They were all fully functioning into the classroom kind of children. And uh, because of COVID, we have been homeschooling since uh, the week before spring break of 2020. Wow. And we're still doing it. So we only have one, our 16 year old, 
who is doing like virtual school through the school district because yeah. he's pretty yeah. self-sufficient. But if, if you guys have experienced any of this, like well, the yeah. homeschooling virtual school stuff was just a clusterfuck. It sucks. Yeah. And I have, yeah. I have a kindergartner. So like yeah. there's zero way he's going to follow online curriculum. He can't read. Uh, yeah. Totally. Yep. And so most, I mean, I'm not doing most of them now uh, yeah. until we can go back. Yeah. yeah, and not to not to talk trash. My sister uh, works for the school district uh, here in Colorado, where we live, and 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 I'm obviously like proud to have been a part of the education industry. But like a lot of school districts, like we're at our most school districts were absolutely not prepared for any kind of remote or online learning anyway. So it wasn't like they had the proper tools to serve the students uh, to begin with, you know. And, and on top of that, they're they're like, locked Joe, away. Joe, I want to talk about that because isn't that a goddamn shame that in the year 2020 that we're still relying on like the the TV carts being rolled into the classroom? Like there's been no evolution since we went to school, you guys. Like slide projectors. And yes. Stuff. Yeah. Yes. Like the transparent overhead ones. Oh my God. Oh my God. Good old days. Okay. So that that's all amazing. Um, I do want to start talking about your professional and personal brand, not the HR lady, which is so catchy and so memorable. Can you tell us a little bit about your company and how that even came to be? Yes, I would love to. Uh, so I started, not the HR lady actually has a story, the name itself. I was joining an organization and anybody could look through my history and potentially figure out one. It was several years ago. And the, one of the people I was working with, who was a peer in the C-suite, uh, he was the chief operating officer for one of the companies that uh, that the company I worked for owned. So I worked at the holdings company and he was like a chief operating officer for one of the companies uh, that worked with our company. And we're in the middle. I've been doing like a world tour of all of uh, all the different properties and different offices and things like that. And when I got to this one in Atlanta, uh, the chief operating officer introduced me to a room of 150 people and said, this is the new HR lady. Oh no. Oh my God. <laughs> and it never in my professional career to this point, um, had it ever been like just so blatantly disrespected in, in such a large group setting. And I was like, are you gotta be kidding me? Did he just say that out loud? So I had to get up there and then talk about like why I should be in this chief role that they've never had in their organization before and why, why it is not just a fucking HR lady who's checking a box. Like everybody hates HR. HR is a four letter word. Yeah. And, yeah. and so to get up there and have to like then on top of it all, and this wasn't in the time of people talking about like a people first organizations and, you know, culture and stuff like that. This was, you know, this was years ago where we were still fighting the fight of just HR even being a business partner in the organization or somebody who creates strategy. So to then be minimized right at the jump by a peer in front of one really large office for the organization, uh, it was kind of that moment that not the HR lady was born because I got up, uh, you know, and we were on like a stage type town hall sort of setting. And, uh, and I got up on and got up off my seat and walked over to the, to the podium and grabbed the mic and uh, made a joke, you know, I go, well, first of all, I'd love to introduce myself. I am Tara Furiani and I am not the HR lady. <laughs> uh, in fact, I'm the chief people officer. And here's what that looks like. And here's what that means. And here's what, uh, here's what I bring to the table. Here's where I've worked. Uh, this is what we, you know, we're trying to accomplish here. We're trying to set forth a people first organization. So it was in that moment that I coined the phrase. And then it took me several years, honestly, too long 
to really start doing the work that uh, my firm is doing now. So with a, with a nice kick in the ass from COVID, uh, we have kind of launched Not the HR Lady full-time. So not only do we have a podcast and a web show that I think a lot of people are familiar with, but we are also a, a HR executive uh, firm, consulting firm. So we work with organizations to help get fuckery out of the workplace, plain um, and simple. Oh my God. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. And I was, I was actually, I was talking to, to Rhea uh, about kind of how we got connected and you are just like a force of nature, you know, uh, particularly on LinkedIn, like you, uh, where, which is the only, it's currently the only social media platform that I'm on. So getting, getting to watch you sort of create, get all kinds of um, uh, attention for what you're doing, not only for your, 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 your brand, your company, but also just in general, like being a great voice, I think for like justice and equity and, um, and, and, and leading, leading, the, leading one of being one of the leaders of the charge for that. Um, I, I, I couldn't help but remark at how strong the, your presence is on all of these platforms uh, for not the HR, HR lady. You. Like, like you said, podcasting, um, the, the, you know, the video casting, these virtual events you do. I, I know you do live events. So can you, could you maybe talk a little bit about where you rank in terms of being an entrepreneur and a CEO, where mm -hmm. you rank digital presence, identity, engagement in terms of importance? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's such a great question. And it's one that, that gets asked a lot. It, it's so important. It is so important to have um, when you are creating anything. So whether you're starting an organization that's going to have multiple employees or you're just creating a brand identity for yourself to, to stick out in the competition while you're applying for jobs, having an online presence and having an identity of sorts, it doesn't have to be so as loud as mine, uh, but whatever your niche is, whatever you uh, you know you can really sort of lean into as being your differentiator. Look, there's a lot of HR leaders in my space. There's a lot of different people doing a lot of the same kind of work. But how do you stand out from the crowd? Well, right. you create a presence that gives people lots of different ways to engage with you. You are authentic. Um, you have the ability to take the information that people want to hear and translate it in a way they want to hear it that's going to not only resonate but hopefully spark action to me that's the most critical element i want to always be synonymous and i'm so happy that you said that joe thank you for such amazing compliments about my brand because i've been very intentional about it i i have a firm yes a consulting firm i rarely talk about that because my my mission my purpose is to get fuckery and bullshit and the stuff we don't talk about, but we should in the workplace um, and get it out of there, you know, start making it more equitable and inclusive and give people a sense of belonging because that's when we all win. And so my, all my focus and all my attention and all of the different branding um, that I do just for my company, for creating sort of a, a word of mouth, which I think is so important it's part of giving that, you know, giving something to people is just so critical in that space, but also doing it in a way where lots of people can connect with you in different formats, you know, whether like you mentioned a live show or doing a webinar or being a guest on somebody else's like I am today with you both. Um, there's so much opportunity and that I think, especially in the world of digital 
all the time, mm-hmm. uh, you know, is just pivotal. I mean, in, in order to make a difference, in order to really establish yourself, um, I think it's, it's highly important, but it doesn't have to be grandiose. Uh, and you've done such an amazing job at like, at refreshingly setting yourself apart. I, I think it's one of the things like we value uh, at, at Right Way. It's one of the things I think Rhea's been great about in, in, in her career as, as an author in the publishing industry. It's like kind of like dro- dropping the, the bullshit and being real yeah. and like That's- dropping the curtain and not being this kind of like same old kind of like, this is how we've always done it kind of mentality <laughs> that seems to pervade everything yeah like five um, tips to whatever you know oh like that yeah <laughs> yeah um do you think that it's changed um how like in what in what ways obviously it's changed with covid but like how do you think that digital presence identity engagement have changed both throughout covid and then maybe what are we looking at in terms of the near future i think for smart smart people, smart brands, you know, smart authors, smart everybody's, um, to, to be able to stand out in the world of today, you have to have a digital presence. You had to have that before COVID. Um, but you could get away with not having it if you were somebody who, you know, did a lot of in-person events. But unfortunately, COVID has shifted the way of work. And that applies to everything from your brand presence to the literal work that you do every day. Most of us are in a, a space where we are going to be digital for the, for the near future. And now that being said, it's such an interesting time because if you, if you think about it, a lot of the social awareness and the social justice things that folks just were not talking about in the workplace Throughout COVID, you've seen voices get louder. You've seen voices multiply. You've seen people really start to hold employers accountable to push back. If you remember, and I, I've said this on a on a couple of our shows, um, the Starbucks thing when they announced that Black Lives Matter and you couldn't wear apparel that said that, it wasn't even 24 hours before they reversed their decision. Why? Because people demanded. Why? Because everybody's on their computer everybody's seeing what's happening and being able to respond to it in real and meaningful ways. And when they see other people doing it, like myself, like other champions, they feel empowered. In fact, that's the most I get is almost every note, I I would say eight out of 10 notes I get a day are, you've helped me find my voice. You've made me not feel afraid to say things that need to be said. And I think the digital space plays such a huge and important role in what this change is going to look like in the in the future and everybody's seeing everybody's everything and now we're able to respond to it not by talking to our boss about it but by talking about it on the internet with perfect strangers who feel the same way and now i feel even more empowered and so the digital digital media from a branding standpoint from an everything standpoint the way we work is going to be digital now if you don't have a digital brand presence my my real feeling is, is that you're going to be sorely missing the boat here very soon if it's not already too late. Um, it, it, you know, the time is really now because no one else will be able to find you. You must be on lots of mediums because that's where everybody's at, staring at a computer screen, just like the three of us are probably doing right now. Yeah. Surely. Well, I mean, how, I, I guess like, you know, we talk a lot about this and just our kind of disdain for social media or what it's become. I mean, it, it's also really amazing, but with so many people yeah. fighting for space, fighting for noise, fighting for 
I don't know, just room to be noticed or seen. How do you fight through that overwhelm and really make space to create? I mean, especially with you, I'm like, you have seven kids, you're running a company, you're doing all of these things. You're an author. I mean, there's really no room for any kind of excuse to not be able to make time for it. But what about the people who don't want to make time for it, who want to live, I don't know, from a more authentic place and, and this, like the whole digital world feels like a distraction rather than an asset. Do you think it's still possible to, I don't know, make a difference, build a company, sell books without a digital presence? I think it would be really hard. Um, yeah. I think that in, in today's space that that's increasingly more difficult. And look, I have a real disdain for social media too. It might not seem that way, but I don't open myself up. Rather, I don't uh, I don't care how many likes I get. Sure. I don't care how much engagement I get. I care when I get anybody who it's resonated with. It could be right. one comment on something. Yep. Um, and I, I think that's the rabbit hole that people get into and therefore have a dislike for social media, right? Is that I, I'm not getting, in fact, I just had a conversation with somebody that I do coaching with on this exact topic because yes. she started going down this, you know, I'm feeling impostery. I'm feeling less than why does so-and-so get so much engagement? Da, da, da. So I sent her, she gave me a, an example. I'm not going to say the person, but she gave me an example and I took a screenshot. They had both posted on LinkedIn specifically, and it had been about four hours for both of them. It both said four hours underneath the time had been posted. And the one person that she was comparing herself to had 80 likes, but only had uh, like one comment. Sure. Okay. So she only had 60 likes, but she had 30 comments. And oh. so, right. And so I said, you're comparing likes when you're not even looking at the whole picture. First of all, if this is going to be a metric you're going to think about, you should understand how it works because likes, anybody can get those. You can pay bots for that. You can have scan. I mean, like that is not indicative of how well you're doing neither is anything on social media right what you're doing <laughs> right. is putting yourself out there and 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 that's it you're you're creating a space for you the more you think about your artistry whatever it is that you you do everybody's an artist right whether you're a writer whether you're an hr leader whether you're a freaking software developer everybody has their craft and when what you're doing is creating a space for others to find you and your craft um, that's, that's what the name of the game is. Who gives a shit if you get a hundred likes or 10, if you're engaging and connecting with people, that is show that's being your authentic self. That's actually making a difference. Anybody can get a thousand likes. Can anybody get 30 comments in four hours? No, you've sure. reached somebody you're engaging with. people. Well, and that is the, I have to admit that, uh, that is the siren song. Like every everybody we talk to on this podcast, everybody, every, you know, clients that we talk to, or yeah. other entrepreneurs and or, or other influencers, etc. It all it it always does come back to that about trying to define your presence by whether you're present or in or whether it's engagement. Like, and, and right. engagement seems to be obviously it's it's holistic, it's organic, it's there's yeah. there's authenticity to it. Absolutely. So tell us how the fuck do we keep all the social media shit organized <laughs> oh my god well yeah i'm so impressed by well, how even even organized not to interrupt you but to to keep up with the 
responsiveness, the reactiveness, the engagement of feeling like you have to answer every single thing right in the moment. Like I've always been terrible about that with the text messages, with the emails, with the social media, and just feeling like my full-time job is responding versus, you know, living my life, not in front of a screen. I'm a big, big advocate in investing in the things that your time is not well spent on. And that can look different for different people. So for me, uh, I absolutely don't like, I'm not good at, and it is a waste of my time uh, to go in and to, you know, have to get post-scheduled and, um, you know, da, da, da. Well, I, so I write real time uh, and I want to just back through my process. So like when I write on LinkedIn, it's because I have a whim to write at that moment. It happens every day, but it's different times every day, which is why I don't post always at the same time. And I always post something that's on my mind that day. Um, and so I write a little different. I don't actually schedule my written posts. I schedule some other stuff that I put out for engagement, like, you know, videos or stuff that's already like curated content. And then I, I actually, uh, I hire someone as an executive assistant with a company called Exec Wranglers, uh, who does my social media management for me. And none of anything that's written back to anybody is not my words. But all of like the likes or the reshares or just things like that, um, somebody else manages that process for me. And then I go back, I have a queue of everybody who makes comments uh, in this like software system that I use and which manages all of it, by the way. So um, it funnels all of the messages into one place. And there's lots of, I don't want to hype anybody specifically, but there's lots of um, tools out there that are fairly inexpensive to do and aggregate all of this stuff for you. Investing in that way to have that it saves so much time because you can put your same post on your blog, on Twitter, on Instagram and have it, you know, be for that sort of medium. That is a time saver. And that's just critical. Again, you have to, you do have to put yourself out there in my opinion, um, to create that awareness, but where you can save and create some efficiencies, uh, do that, you know, getting, getting somebody for 15, $20 an hour, and you can even do it less for when you offshore, uh, is and even less through packages and things like that through an executive assistant type service. That is just that's it, it's such a, a, a time saver and allows for me to do the things I'm actually good at, which is actually writing, write the content, actually um, engaging with other people, working with clients when I'm working one on one with folks. It gives me the freedom to do the things that I'm making several times that amount I'm spending per hour. And that little bit I spend on me is so worth it. hundred uh, percent. It's so, a great hack. It's a great advice. Yes, it is. Let's switch gears a little bit and talk about books. Um, Ooh, so okay. you, you chose to self-publish, correct? That's right. Yes. Yeah. So I would love to know if you ever tried to go the traditional route or if you were like, fuck that, I'm not waiting on the industry and <laughs> you just wanted yeah. to go straight self-publishing. So yeah, talk to us a little bit about that journey and what's worked well, what hasn't. Um, and what people can learn. Yeah. Uh, so I did, I decided to go the self-publishing route and it was honestly, you know, I, I, I talk pretty openly about going through a divorce and, uh, and really kind of rediscovering myself and having this like wake up moment where, uh, all of a sudden I realized all the ways I was sort of being manipulated, even though I was the person sort of in charge, if that makes sense, like as the financial mm-hmm. provider, as you know, just so many different things. And for me, it sort of started, and the, the notion of self-publishing sort of started from a, a wanting of to re, like to take the control back. 
Yeah. I didn't want somebody else's opinion. I wanted to just write my book, uh, go through an editor that I trust, you know, have folks vet it that uh, it, who's, um, whose words matter to me and it not be changed, you know, by someone else's words because they think it'll sell better. I didn't want any control from anybody else except me. Like yeah. final say, final say was me. And I think um, that's stubborn, right? That was me being incredibly stubborn. That's also and, amazing. <laughs> yeah, totally. But I, but I just, I, you know, I thought I needed to tell this story and I, the story of Fuck Your Office Snacks, which is uh, my book, which is coming out very soon. I'm very excited. Congratulations. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I'm really yeah. excited to tell the story. It's actually, so much like the show, I try to make it kind of funny tongue in cheek, but it's called Fuck Your Office Snacks. And at first blush, it might seem like it's a, a, a an ode to organizations to kind of go fuck themselves. It is to some degree, but it's more about your own empowerment and how we sort of lost the financial way uh, as employees and how we can get that back. Like we basically sold our salaries uh, for slides. And it talks all about how pensions, uh, and I know it sounds a little boring, right? This is the jump to set it up. Setting it up is giving you the history. There used to be organizations, and you guys probably remember or even had parents. I don't remember. I know you don't remember, but you might have parents that uh, one income would, would work for them. One income was sustainable. And that's because organizations actually used to give a shit about their employees until they realized the tax benefits of having a 401k instead of pensions. And so there's this huge, interesting shift that happened in the 90s, uh, which is at the very beginning of the book. And then the rest of it is really about your own journey of self-worth and self-discovery in the workplace um, and how to champion for yourself. The funny tongue-in-cheek part is, in case you just want the Cliff's Notes version or you're a dude, there's mansplaining at the end of every chapter uh, by Justin in a box. So he basically mansplains my my entire chapter in like three sentences um, at the end of each chapter. It literally says mansplaining by Justin. Amazing. Perfect. So who's, I mean, in, the, the intended audience for the book would be? Yeah, so at, like anybody, uh, anybody who works in uh, the corporate world of work, who may be in their own journey of should I start my own company? Should I, you know, should I should I reclaim my worth as I'm looking for a job? Should I not settle uh, the next time the company says they only have three percent? It's for anybody who's looking to feel empowered in the workplace. Awesome. How how are you leveraging, or how do you intend to leverage your the brand that you've that you've built um, to to sell the book and how? Yeah. What ways it is is it helping? Because I know. So, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. No, I was noticing like on your site, like you have this bundle, like you can buy the yeah. book and the bundle, which is so smart. Awesome. The, books, the book is it not on Amazon or is it on Amazon? It's on nowhere except my own website. And okay, I want to talk about that. I'm so so interested in that. Thank you. So uh, so that was intentional. I wanted definitely to kind of cross promote my brand as well. Okay. Um, I actually don't really sell anything to like individuals aside from my book. I mostly work with companies. Mm -hmm. uh, but I really wanted the opportunity for um, folks to interact with me if they wanted or were interested in a different way. And so I worked to create a couple of different bundles. And I was actually inspired by a friend named Julie Turney, who uh, is in Barbados. She is another HR professional and practitioner. She has a lot of DEI work, has another uh, another great show as well. And uh, she was doing sort of these bundles. And I asked her about it. And I thought, you know, 
here's a way to sort of give you an opportunity to see some of the other works that I do, like one-on-one coaching, like some of our group coaching. We have uh, coolassclasses.com, which is also launching this month, uh, which is opportunities for you just to grow professionally, but it's like not the bullshit kind of, you know, in these five action steps, you can take da, da, da. It's, it's, right. uh, it's intentional and thoughtful. And I use a lot of humor again, and I use movies a lot because that's just kind of my shtick. And, uh, and so that's the language, right? So there's <laughs> lots of opportunity uh, to connect with me in different ways. And I, I'm really proud. I can actually tell you, I've sold almost 200 copies of my book just on my website. And uh, my average book price because of the bundle is like $57 and 37 cents. Yeah, that's amazing. So it's really, I was really impressed just with myself. I've never done this before. And um, sometimes you just have to get out of your comfort zone and, uh, and just try it and see what happens and be okay with like, if it doesn't work and nobody buys it, that's okay. Doesn't mean that, you know, your book sucks. It just means that, you know, you didn't, maybe you didn't market it right. And it was a real gamble thinking about just putting it only on my website, but I kind of wanted to see what, what that looks like. Like how, how many people am I actively touching and reaching, Mm -hmm. um, you know, in a, in a meaningful way that they'd want to support my work further. That's valid. That's like validation, right? That's what I need. I don't have a boss. So to be able (laughs) to have people be interested in hearing the words that I say, that was an interesting kind of benchmark for me to go, cool, I'm on the right track. I'm doing something really interesting here and people seem to like it. Can uh, you so- talk Can you talk a little bit about your, sorry, to, can you talk a little bit about your launch strategy? Like what can, yeah. what can we expect to see when, the, when, when, when it comes out? Yeah, so uh, yes, absolutely. So I am actually, pre- I'm gonna be sending it to several people, you two included. Yes. Uh, and I, of course, I, I Amazing. Really, really can't wait to hear your feedback on it. Um, and, uh, and we're going to be doing a series of sort of, now we, we did beta test this just a little bit. Everybody who bought the book was invited to a weekly happy hour called Cool Ass Book Club. And uh, we would join and have a live webinar happy hour that would sometimes go two, three hours long talking about a specific chapter of the book. So for example, uh, one of the chapters is called Mind Fucks or Mental Wellness. And to the entire... Um, sort of conversation was around mental health, like destigmatizing mental health in the workplace, sort of similarly to where if somebody has cancer, we're empathetic, that's a health condition. When somebody has, you know, PTSD, we just think they're crazy. And a really kind of demystifying and destigmatizing, openly talking about mental health struggles in the workplace and why it's okay to do that and how we as leaders can kind of you know, be the the leaders of change uh, in sort of that regard. And so these book clubs went on. Uh, now that was, again, like I said, sort of beta tested during our pre-sale. And then so post-launch, we're going to sort of do the same thing and do a live talk, which will cap probably at like 100 people or so and go through and no charge, right? So just part of like um, an opportunity to deep dive into several different chapters of the book with some of like your LinkedIn favorites or professionals in whatever space we're talking about um, or in different surprise CEO executives um, and things throughout companies throughout the, the world of work kind of joining us on each of those. So we're probably going to do, I think, six of those and then one sort of big uh, book launch party. 
Hey guys, we just wanted to hop on for a second and talk about something we're super excited about. We're not promoting or selling anything, so don't worry. <laughs> but what we are doing is talking about our newsletter. Now, if you listen to this podcast, you know that Joe and I don't often use social media um, or any sort of digital marketing, marketing to promote our business or our services. But what we do is really put stock in our weekly newsletter. Now, I know for a lot of people, and newsletters are just like, ugh, I don't have time to read them. They sit in my inbox, go in one ear and out the other. Joe and I wanted to do a total revamp on our weekly newsletter and make it an absolute resource guide for you. So that means, of course, talking about our podcast, talking about what's coming down the pipeline, but we also wanted to really put together a resource guide for any kind of writing contests that are going on any sort of books that are coming out that you should know about that we sometimes talk about in our Coffee and Trades episodes, anything that's happening in the publishing world that is worthy of chatting about, we want to put that together in a weekly newsletter for you. In the spirit of Right Way truly being your one-stop shop for all things literary and publishing, this newsletter is going to be no different. Um what you want to do is go to our website, rightwayco.com, to the landing page. You can sign up for the newsletter. Uh, we don't, we, we you, all of your information is safe and protected. Your identity is protected. You get our newsletter each week. Um, and it's going to be chock full, like Rhea said, of all of that pertinent inf information, links to other website resources, all that information that you need to make some really calculated judgments. It's going to work really well in tandem with the content we put out every week on our podcast so that you will, once again, this is our effort to make you as self-sufficient as possible in your writing careers. Absolutely. So head on over to rightwayco.com, sign up for that weekly newsletter, and enjoy all of the fun content coming your way. Dope. And really just, we love to talk, right? That's the kind of the idea of not the HR lady is sparking that conversation that is difficult and uncomfortable and really making it normal and getting it out there. So we'll do some big party where it's, you know, a lot of just that, a lot of us deep diving some difficult topics, not always agreeing. I have to say, I do love what like, what, what virtual has, um, is allowing for it. And I, I just love the idea of you doing like, a sort of dress rehearsal on your on your launch strategy, like well, gives you know, them a chance, right? Gives them a chance, people a chance to have like additional value add. Like you're yeah. talking right to me directly, and we're yeah, having yeah. more of a more of a deep dive into something, and it's like that exclusivity, sort of like the clubhouse phenomenon. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh, clubhouse. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. So we get a lot of people who of course are aspiring writers and want to one day you know write a book whether that's self-publishing or aiming for traditional publishing but something we talk about is also just making money as a writer i feel like there's you know there are a lot of stigmas or stereotypes like oh writing's a hobby you could never make money but before you were kind of in the hr marketplace you were a professional writer before correct that's right yes yeah. So can you talk about that a little bit? I mean, I feel like sometimes people, they, they want to write, they want to be professional writers, yeah. but they feel like, 
oh, if I'm not a novelist or if I'm not writing nonfiction books and I might as well just not even try. So do you have any advice around that? Absolutely. So I come, you know, I come from the entertainment space. The entertainment world um, is, that's, that's how I grew up. That's where I grew up. There are so many opportunities to be and, and have your voice uh, in written form heard in lots of different ways and be paid for it. There are opportunities to script write. There are opportunities to work on shows. There are opportunities to podcast. There are opportunities for everybody. And the thing is, so what I did, and I'll talk a little bit about uh, it for me, I've been in HR for 20 years and I was on the road for, I don't know, seven, eight years with Dale Carnegie where I was traveling 200 and some odd days a year. I didn't have kids yet. I was in my 20s. It was a blast. I had the best time. And then I got totally burned out. And all the while, I've been writing scripts. I love to write, whether it's fiction. I write a lot of sci-fi. I love horror. I write a lot of horror. Um, I've always been a writer. My very first book, actually, my mom just found the other day. Uh, and I was I was nine years old when I wrote it. Oh. And it's so cute because it says, like, Tara, age nine. And I drew the little cover. And it has, like, an acknowledgement page. It's super cute. I'll send you guys a picture of it. Not a joke. Always a writer. Always been a writer. <laughs> always yeah. been a writer. And so, uh, so I wrote this really interesting, at least I thought, interesting treatment um, for a show that was sort of like reality-based with friends, but also travel-based. So we would go as like a group of friends, and this was spawned by real-life events. My girlfriends and I would take an annual trip every year for two weeks, all of our 20s, uh, and we'd pick some place, and we would go, and we would just party. And... <laughs> It was the best, like, and it would be one year we went to Napa, you know, one year we went to Nashville, like we did just a bunch of different things. And every time we would go, I've never met a stranger. I know that's probably hard to believe, but I've never met a stranger. <laughs> and we would meet people every night. We would go out, like not in like a, let's go hook up kind of way. Like I, it was like, we would have 50 friends at the bar and everybody would tell us you guys need like a camera crew and this so this was like before like the Kardashians before a lot of like real reality tv was sort of uh, as big as it is and so that wasn't really a thing we tried it out we actually I actually got my agent from when I was a kid and he's since passed away Troy Blakely uh with APA he was my kid agent and I asked him if he would be interested in maybe helping me with like a treatment and so I wrote it out uh they liked it we storyboarded it we went and we did a like a filmed a pilot actually for it and um and it got bought and i was oh, so shit. excited i was like 25 <laughs> i was really oh really God. excited wow. uh, and then it got shelved so it so like here's the deal a lot of times you can sell stuff and it doesn't ever do especially when you're working like in the tv space where you you sell your idea, you sell your story. And then sometimes they just put it on a shelf for whoever knows how long. Uh, but the good news is, is I still made a pretty decent amount of money on it. Like enough that I didn't really need to go back to work uh, for a while, wow. like for a little while, you know, again, I was in my twenties, not a lot of responsibility, but sure. you know, I got paid a couple $10,000 for it. And so, um, you know, getting, getting a, a pretty good chunk after my agent and manager's fees and stuff and taxes, I was like, you know, was sitting there with like forty, forty-five thousand dollars. Living a, large at twenty-five. Are, are you, you kidding, kidding me? Yeah. I was making it rain, like just <laughs> in my own apartment. I was like, "This is amazing! I've never seen this kind of cash." Um. Oh. So you, you know, there's so many different places that you can make money. Here's the thing, and this is the writers, in my opinion, uh, and musicians are just the same way because I write songs as well, and like. 
The thing is, is that we have a really hard time sharing our stuff or putting pen to paper when it's like critical that we put pen to paper about X, like those deadlines, that writer's block, that's a real thing. But you have to get through it. You have to just keep writing through it. Try it, share it. It's not ever going to be lived and you're never going to make money unless you put yourself out there, unless you let go of the fear of rejection, because that's all it is ultimately is that you're going to think everybody's going to hate it. And guess what? Somebody probably will, but who gives a shit? <laughs> it's, it's true. And all it takes is one person to say, uh, we'll take it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's all it takes is one person to say, yes, you're going to get a lot of no's. That's fine. Keep going. Keep putting it out there because it can be the same story and it's just not right for whomever it is that you're talking to that day. You know, keep putting it, put, keep putting yourself out there and just keep going. Like I write probably, I don't know, 20 pages or so a day, just free form because I always have something on my mind. And so here's the thing I can live in my own head or I can put my thoughts down and maybe revisit it at a later time to pick up a story from there. I, I do a lot of my work that way. I'll get a thought about something, but I don't want to quite flesh it out yet. I just want to noodle on it and write this down and I put it aside and I'll go back to it. In fact, that's a lot of how Fuck Your Office Next got written was mm. I'd come up with an idea for, oh, wow, I really want to talk about this. And, you know, did you know? And I'll start researching. And then I'll go when I went back to sort of, you know, finish it out and make those into defined chapters and thoughts. A lot of it started from just doodles that I have every day, essentially. Yeah, archives, bar napkins. That's what we, yeah. we used to say say in college. Yes, uh, I, w I actually had classmates that would come to whatever uh, creative, like creative nonfiction or, or prose fiction class. Yeah, with bar bar napkins from the night before. <laughs> you never know where inspiration's gonna hit, and if it's three whiskeys in, fuck it. No, oh, seriously, that's where the best inspiration comes. <laughs> I, I feel uh, <laughs> what? What advice do you have? Um, what advice do you think you have uh, for anyone out there that is trying to build a successful brand or successful company platform? Like just uh, um, what advice do you have? Your idea is good. That's the, that's the first place I want everyone to hear. I want you to hear that your idea is good and it's worthy. Stop thinking that it isn't. Get out of your own damn way and just start. Just start. Like whatever that looks like to you, if that's buying the domain for your website, for your company that you're eventually going to have, if that's registering your LLC or getting your tax ID number, if that is writing out what you think your business is going to do, like a mission statement, if that's writing a Jerry Maguire-esque memo on how you're going to change the world. Whatever. There's a movie reference. I, I was waiting for a good movie reference. I can't help myself. I really can't. I've seen too many of them. Just do it, right? Like that, you just have to get started. Stop waiting. It's nobody's going to come to you, give you a, a boatload of money and help you visualize and, and do your idea. Just start. Just start today with whatever that looks like for you. What about advice for aspiring writers? Same thing. Ooh. Ooh. So same that, that I, so I say, ooh, too, like, ooh. So sort of, uh, I would say, you know, for aspiring writers, what are you interested in writing? Yeah. But the best thing that you can do is just be authentically you. And look, I am not a serial killer, but I am interested in true crime. <laughs> Absolutely. So, totally. Oh, I my God. Yet again, we are both true crime obsessed. Yeah. And not serial oh, 
both not serial killers. Do you guys, oh, wait, wait, wait. Do you guys know that we're, and I, this is not a, we did not set this up. It sounds like we probably did, but we didn't. Do you guys know that we are starting a new show next month called Killer Colleagues? Stop. Are you Stop. serious? I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. It's called, it's about workplace murder. It's just going to be a straight podcast, no video. So it's called Killer Colleagues and it's going to be all about workplace murder. And if you guys don't know how many fucking crimes there are that are committed, like murders in the workplace. Oh, Tara, Jesus. That's my dream to do something like that. (laughs) All all Rhea and I talk about is when we can get this podcast to a place where we can start doing the true crime podcast that we want to do. It's literally all we talk about. It. That's so funny. We you guys just have to do, do one. I mean, you yeah. you know it. Look at look at you ask for advice. I'm gonna give you guys advice. Just do it. Like that's the <laughs> that that's the that's the way exactly. you have to do. We've been talking about this for a while. Uh, we and we did a photo shoot with it. Uh, in fact, if you go to our website, notthehrlady.com. And you go, there's a thing called Killer Colleagues. And if you click on it, it, it'll show you that we have a new workplace murder series coming soon. So we did like a whole photo shoot. We got in the trunk of the car. We wrapped ourselves. God. Uh, I'm serious. And we're, it's really exciting. And we're kicking it off um, like March something, early part of March. Yeah. Uh, the it. first episode will be March 5th. And so much like we do with our regular show. Um, and I, if you guys don't know this, you should definitely come. If you're a free tonight, there's one tonight. Uh, on our regular show, we do an after party and we always have done it, even last season, where we do sort of a happy hour, deep dive into the show. Well, we're going to do the same thing with Killer Colleagues, except we're going to bring on like true crime experts and like people from the case and stuff like that. So in addition to being the, the show about it, there'll be an after show where we go even deeper with like uh, these folks either involved in the case or who have like expertise, you know, like uh, coroners and and stuff like that. So I just want to reiterate that this particular promotion was not a setup. Oh, it was not. I had no <laughs> idea, but we're so pleasantly surprised. Well, we haven't oh. we haven't sh- we haven't shared it, so there really would be no reason that you know that it's only on our website, really. And I think I've maybe mentioned it one other time, but it was not a setup. You're so right, and I'm so excited. You're excited. I'm excited. Oh my about god, that's it. very exciting. All uh, right, we're gonna end with this fun fast lightning round that we have not done on the podcast before. This is the so first gonna, time. Yeah, Woo! you're going to be our guinea pig. So we want, we want you to say the first thing that pops into your mind. So no and, like overthinking. And in a okay. way, I think that you're actually the perfect person. You are. You're the perfect, you're person. perfect first guest to do this. So I love it. Uh, this is the right way lightning round. Yeah. Uh, first question. What does people first mean to you? It means that you put people over profits. Love it. How do you juggle being a mom and running a business? Uh, with a lot of help and support and a fuck ton of wine. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, best business advice you've ever received? Just be you. You're, people want to hear that. Yes. Best thing that's happened to you since becoming an author? Ooh. Oh, I'm still so new into that space. Uh, I think... Ooh, now I'm going to overthink this one. Uh, you know, I think it's, I think it's the validation that the people that have read it, uh, have, have given me such great positive feedback that it's almost a little irritating. Um, I, I would, I would have liked like more, I, and I'm, I'm really serious. Like I would have liked a little bit more critique, you know, like, like, where does it suck? It has to suck somewhere. And I'm sure it does. Uh, but I, I think like the validation of people reading it and enjoying it. Uh, has been the best thing so far. 
what is the worst thing that's happened to you since becoming an author? I think my own self, negative self-talk has uh, crept up here a few times and just everybody goes through it, not feeling good enough, feeling like I'm going to be judged, having a lot of anxiety when I know people are reading it uh, in, in real time, you know, when I've given it to them and they're telling me they're going to read it now. So that negative self-talk, I think, um, has crept up here and there because you know it's about to hit. It's about to hit the, the people who don't love you. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, that's scary. <laughs> <laughs> Most creative way you've ever sold a book. Uh, you know, I've only sold just this one, but, yeah. uh, but what I'm doing now, I think is pretty creative bundling it with yeah. sort of, you know, getting the opportunity to, to get to special events and hear other things that are relevant in the same space. And then also, uh, you know, potentially being a guest on the show and, or, uh, you know, just being somebody who has sort of access to other people, you know, making connections and, and, and networking with others. I, I think that has been an interesting way to sell it as opposed to just throwing it on Amazon. Definitely. What do you, what do you think is the best way to organically build an author platform? Be you and give people content every day in micro doses so that they understand what kind of author you are and why you should be someone uh, that they should be paying attention to. You know, when you give folks a little peek into the who you are by by sharing compelling words that are meaningful in whatever space that is, whether it's dog loving or HRing or you know whatevering. Um, when you are reaching your audience in micro ways uh, by sharing sort of your style, your personality, your expertise, your passion, uh, that can really help engage them with you and want to buy your works in the future. Love it. What do you want your legacy to be? I want to create a world that is equitable, inclusive, and diverse where everybody's voice is is equal, where everybody has an equal share of, of you know, the, the wealth that's being generated in America. I want to ensure that my daughters aren't paid 20 cents less than their male counterparts just because they present as a woman. I want my, uh, my fluid child, uh, my gender fluid child to feel comfortable in their own skin and not be judged because they sometimes like to wear a dress, but because they're kick-ass at whatever it is that they, that they do. So I, I wanna leave a legacy of, of creating change in the workplace for everyone to belong. Standing. What do you wish all aspiring writers knew? I'm going to go back to when I already said and just say that you're good enough. You know, there's room for all of us. Like, what, what, look at like E.L. James, okay? She was a fan fiction, like, you know, knockoff, whatever, and then created Fifty Shades of Grey. I mean, like, and then now as a zillionaire and her writing isn't, isn't super great. I mean, right. I know that that's, I know that that's like a, maybe a, a shitty thing to say about a fellow writer, but like, that's, that's the blunt truth of it, right? I mean, it's, fair, it's, it's a fair statement, but that's, that's the truth, right? Whether you get on and you do fan fiction and that turns into a series where you're now a couple millionaire uh, to, you know, creating it because you're just merely passionate about it. There's opportunity for everybody to be successful from Shakespeare to E.L. James and everybody in between. Absolutely. What would you like to see more of in the world? Ooh, that's a tough question. There's so much. Uh, I would like to see a little bit more kindness. I, I think that we don't demonstrate empathy as much as we should. And I think there's a lot of room for people to just understand that we're all in this and we're all going through the same thing. And 
just because we might not be the same as you doesn't mean we're invalid. And lastly, but certainly not least, besides yourself, uh, who is a writer or an author that you think everyone should read? Oh my God, I have so many. Uh, Alexander Dumas, if you've never read The Count of Monte Cristo uh, or any of like, the classics, I think you should go back and read. I don't. Many people don't know that he's a black author, uh, which is uncommon for that time period. And I, I was surprised to know that a lot of people didn't know that. So I would, uh, in, in the spirit of Black History Month, uh, I would, I would say I would love everybody to go back and read some of the classics. I think along the way, we've forgotten some of the really great stories uh, you know, from from times we don't study and, and times we don't necessarily have on our nightstand. 100%. Tara, this has been so amazing. Can you tell people what's the best way to find you, to buy your book and just connect if they want to connect with you online? Yes, thank you. Uh, the easiest way to find everything about me, to buy my book, to connect with me, to hear our shows, all this stuff is just by going to our website, notthehrlady.com. You can find everything there, including Killer Colleagues, which like I mentioned is coming up. And also Fuck Your Office Next, right there on the header. Can't miss it. Uh, and I would love to connect. Please also feel free to send me a connection request on LinkedIn. Amazing. This was I, the best. I thank love you. this. Thank this you fun. so much. <laughs> thank you guys. I've loved to buy Tara's book out. What's the <laughs> official launch date? Uh, so it is actually coming out on the 12th, which is just next Friday. And I'm very excited. February, February 12th. Yes. Buy her book, follow thank her, you. engage. Yes. Thank you so much. Such a pleasure. I loved it. Thanks guys. Hey, thanks again for listening to the right way podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and comment and help us continue to deliver the content you want and need. And for more information about RightWay, visit rightwayco.com to get more info on all our editorial and developmental services and sign up for our weekly newsletter where we'll be sharing exclusive content, access to digital courses, and offering proprietary resources for aspiring and established writers. 